episode of the Ever Black Podcast is brought to you by Death Wish Hot Rods and Customs. Check out their Instagram for all their new t-shirts, caps, beanies, cups, and the all-new Atomic Death lineup. Hello. Hey, man. What's going on? How you doing? I'm Good. ready to talk to you, man. That's what's going on. Yeah. Hey, I love your your background there. Like you got your kiss stuff. Thank you. Yeah, I built up some uh, good little memorabilia there. Yeah, yeah. Like my mind's just full of nerdy shit, but um, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, man. Hey, Chris, uh, how you been anyway, dude? How was your uh, Thanksgiving? Was it right? Oh, it was great. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, enjoyed it, and uh, now just getting ready to come rock your wonderful country in uh, about three days. Let's go. Let's, Let's do it. Man, I'm, I'm super excited, especially, I mean, you come down with, with Buck Cherry, which is incredible. Like, what a lineup, dude. <laughs> we don't get yeah, I mean, we, we, um, we've we actually toured Australia with Buck Cherry before, back in 2013 with Steel Panther. Um, so this is kind of our first co-headlining tour together, and it's a great bill. And as soon as I heard about the bill, I, I knew that it would do well. I knew it was perfect for Australia. Uh, I think we were supposed to come last February and, you know, obviously got pushed back a little bit, which worked out for the best. Yep. And I think most of the shows are close to selling out uh, and will be sold out probably by the time I get on the plane on Monday. So it's a great mix. It's, it's going to be a rock and roll party with two bands who have the same mindset of just making sure that everybody has a great time and is playing some great hard hitting rock and roll. What more do you want? That's that's exactly right. But I mean, uh, you know, you've been on tour everywhere, saving the world. How's yes. the rest of the shows been in the lead up to this? I mean, the, it just keep getting better and better. We just had the biggest uh, UK tour we've ever had. Finished that a couple of weeks ago, and um, I think now with 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 the band that we have, the the lineup that we have, the vibe, uh, the fact that Boombox was such a success. There's so many great tunes that go over massively live. Uh, we put a couple older tunes back into the set, which has been a lot of fun. So this really is a perfect time to come see Fozzie because all the all, all all the stars have aligned, and I think we're kind of firing at all cylinders right now. I reckon you are too, absolutely. Like this latest Thank album, you. Boombox, is so good, man. It to me, the album really shows a band that's like evolved over the years and continuing to evolve. Where sometimes bands get to that sort of album, they start going the opposite way. Well, they get stale, but you got you keep reinventing it and and making it interesting, not just for the fans, but I guess for yourselves as well. What's what's the secret sauce there, Jericho? What's the what's the secret? I mean, I, I don't know if there's a real secret sauce. I know for Judas, we started working with with Johnny Andrews, who produced the record and 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 co-wrote all the songs. And the same thing was on Boombox. And and when Judas came out as a single and kind of went through the roof on radio. Uh, you know, started getting played at, you know, hockey games and football games. And then when people started singing it at the AEW shows, it really took the band to another level. And rock radio in the United States is so important. And I never realized it until we started getting played on rock radio. When Judas became the, the you know, the, the elusive hit single, suddenly, you know, Painless is a hit and Burn Me Out is a hit Then Nowhere to Run and then Sane and then I Still Burn. And now we have these these top 10 songs, one after another, after another, another, that takes things to a completely different level. So I think um, 
all of those things contributed to uh, getting more exposure on the band, which then makes more people come to the gigs, which then leads to more focus. So there's really no secret sauce other than the fact that who know who knew that Judas would be such a big hit. It was the right place at the right time. I don't know why. I think anybody that ever wrote a hit song would wish they could stick it in a bottle and go, here's how you do it. Uh, you just do it. And and once again, you know, I was just watching Cobra Kai the other night and the, and the dude starts singing Judas uh, on, on the show. So, you know, I mean, it, it, I think all of that stuff contributed to the secret sauce of building the band. And it really did take us to the next level. I mean, I'm looking at the gold record on the wall right over here for Judas and how many bands can get a gold record ever, but especially in 2022, it's yeah. very hard. So it really did put us into a different, into a different category. But where do you think that comes from? I mean, that song is so catchy and it's so, you know, as you said, it blew up, but where does it, where does it come from out there in the world? I mean, it's got to go into the brain. But where where do you draw that from? Have you got any? Idea? I, I mean, I, once again, I, I don't know what what the what the answer to that is, you know. And for um, Judas, I didn't write the song, um, but Johnny's such a great lyricist. But the thing is, it's almost like Neil Peart and Getty Lee. Like Getty never wrote lyrics, but when Neil writes a song about a red barchetta, you're like, what are you fucking talking about? But I have to take those lyrics, incorporate them, run them through my mind, and then sing them with conviction. So Judas is the same, uh, obviously. You know, what have I become now that I betrayed everyone I've ever loved that pushed them all away? And it's like, how do you sing that with conviction? Mm. So I have to try and figure out a way to do that. So um, I think the reason, another reason why Fozzie's done so well is when I was the the, the, the chief lyricist, I wrote a lot of uh, word paintings, you know, sandpaper, a cat scratch, a whiplash, a witch hunt in black. What does that mean? Nothing. But it sounds good and it fits. It's yeah. almost like old cult lyrics, like aphrodisiac jacket or something. Plastic, pla uh, plastic, fantastic lobster telephone. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> Nothing, but it's cool. It sounds good. Yeah, Where yeah. Johnny's lyrics are much more uh, emotional based and everyone can relate to a Judas, just like everyone can relate to I Still Burn, the, the, the fire Every time I think I'm down again, every time I think I'm down again, I get up again or whatever it is. Um, you know, so so there's something that people can really take and, and use into their own experiences. And I think that really connects a song to a person a lot more. And as much as I love, you know, Dio lyrics, you know, Holy Diver and Last yeah, of yeah. Line, that sort of thing. I think, you know, Love, Love Me Do and fucking, you know, Gimme Shelter can really connect a lot more, which is why I think modern day Fozzie has gotten so big with a, such a huge collection of fans because you can relate to it more. And uh, of course, uh, Australia, Australians is that what you call you, you Australian fans? Australians, Maybe Australians, but, but it's it, Australia is the only country in the world. And we are the only band in the world that gets a Fozzie, 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 oi, oi, oi chant. Uh, of course. There's another band. There's not going to be any Buck Cherry, Buck Cherry, Buck Cherry, oi, oi, oi chants. No. <laughs> so it's perfect. Yeah. Foz and Oz, Fozzie and Ozzy. It, it goes together. So, uh, yeah. So yeah. there you go. But, I mean, your meet and greets down here, I believe, is sold out. Uh, yeah. Like, people love what you guys bring to the table when it comes to meet and greets. You do. You go above and beyond for for fans. Has that sort of changed though? Post what happened over the last couple of years? I mean, it, it did, but we we've been really uh, 
honing our VIP program for years. I mean, I, I, I'm, uh, we're one of the first bands to have VIP because I saw like Bon Jovi VIP and you never got to meet anybody. You just got to meet a roadie who told you stories about Bon Jovi. Right? <laughs> you know, Ozzy VIP, you get a, 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 a custom bag with merch in it and front row seats. Like how's that VIP? Like, yeah, yeah. so how can we do our best to, connect with with the fans and there was a lot of ways of doing that but now what we did is is you know you got to do a sound check so we just started doing our sound checks in front of vips but then then that morphed into actually doing a a mini concert where you're doing songs that they're not going to hear later on that night you know only only these vips like for example this tour there's a bunch but drinking drinking with jesus is 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 one that we're, we're only doing drinking with jesus in the vip yeah. So if you like that song, or even if you don't, you're not going to hear it later on. So it's kind of a special thing. Um, what we then did is before we would do pictures with everybody and shake hands and kiss babies, not usually the way to do it now for obvious reasons, but we can sit on stage and do a Q&A for half an hour mm. and we can talk to everybody and hang out. And to me, like, that's almost better. You know, I'd rather just talk and hang out for a bit. Everybody, there's a group picture but then you get a chance to actually interact and hang out a bit. So I think we've done a pretty good job with, with that. And I think people get it and they probably, like I said, may maybe appreciate it a little bit more. Um, and if they don't, we're doing the best we can to make sure that you get, you get every single bit of value out of it. And I don't think maybe 1% of people who go to VP have an issue, but 99% of people that come are just thinking this is the greatest thing ever. And that's why whenever we do them, they, they usually always sell out or close to it. Have you found that, you know, going around the world now and you do the VIPs, you meet people probably multiple times and you hear their stories and, and how they've connected to your music and, and you as a person, how it's inspired them. Are you finding that now that you're, you're getting updates on how people's lives are and, and, and how personal stories, you know, if you know what I'm trying to say. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, music is, is so healing. Uh, it's very cathartic. And I think all of us kind of miss that when, when the pandemic happened, you, you, you know, we couldn't play shows. I couldn't go to shows. Mm. So I think once that you're back playing and performing, people are very thankful and music, once again, I mean, we we get it all the time. I was going through a very hard time. Your music helped me through. Or here's a letter that I wrote to read later, and you read it later, and it's kind of that sort of thing. So, I mean, and I've been there. I mean, the first time I met James Hetfield, I almost started crying because of how much Metallica meant to me when I was a teenager, you know, and how much Metallica still means to me now. But I, yeah. I think I think that that there's always you know for me too from from wrestling wise i mean there's people that always get inspired by your work uh or maybe help them get through some problems help them face things head on um and like i said when you get a chance to sit down and talk to people you always hear that and i never take that for granted and never brush it off because it means a lot it means a lot to me and it means a lot to the people that are that are saying that to you and uh you know you were talking about touring and uh the new album touring on the new album so i'm having one of those mornings chris sorry <laughs> let me rewind you're doing great you're doing I great had, i haven't had my my cup of bowie yet <laughs> oh but, there you go cup of bowie cool Billy. um but you know sane is such a fucking killer opener man and you've been opening with that track you, you made the video on a roller coaster 
How does that even work? Because I've been on a rock. Everyone's been on a rock. And you're getting <laughs> around, you're getting smashed. We, did you have earbuds in? Did you have a little speaker? What no, what we did was, and that's a great question. What we did was um, the camera was mounted on the front of the roller coaster car, obviously facing me like right mm. now. And then we also had kind of a, a sound system. I don't remember if it was a boom box even. Um <laughs> where you would basically press play and then here we go. And there was maybe a, we, we had to time it. There's a 15 seconds and then we fi- were filming it in double speed because it's fast. Uh, so we had it, we did six runs of the roller coaster. Two of those, we couldn't do anything because there was technical difficulties. So one time the camera wasn't rolling. The other time the music didn't play. But the thing is, once you leave the roller coaster station, you can't stop and rewind. You're going through the whole thing. <laughs> and this is the fastest roller coaster in America. So it fucks you up. Uh, and the other times, the other four, you know, I got to look cool and I got to sing. And I'm also trying to lip sync. But don't forget, I'm not just lip syncing at normal speed. I'm lip syncing at double speed. So it's faster. I am living within this nightmare. I am this too far gone. This Ethereum. So I'm watching and I follow watching. So you got to like, you don't even have time to think. So, so the, the fact we got it in only six takes and after those six takes were done, I was like, we're finished. I can't do anymore. <laughs> and if you look really closely, you'll see a, a few of those shots where instead of five band members, there's only four because Billy could only take four of the takes and then he had to fuck off. He was oh. already puking and done. Uh, so yeah, it, it wasn't easy. And that's why no one's ever done it before. But that's also the reason why we wanted to do it because no one's ever done it before. That's it's quite a challenge. I couldn't do it. I love I love roller coasters, man. But I'd do two runs and I'd just be like, Yeah, I think I'm done with uh, my roller coaster uh, uh, experiences for my life. <laughs> and uh, you covered Frankie goes to Hollywood. Relax. I didn't see that one coming. Now, I mean, you've done. I mean, you've done Abra in the past, and you, you make covers very interesting. But why Frankie goes, what was it about that song that made you go, I need to do this? Well, it's kind of the same same concept as SOS. You know, you wouldn't expect Fozzie to cover an ABBA song, but it's a really heavy song that really lended itself to, to the Fozzie treatment. And Relax was the same. I think Rich was playing it w- with Guardians of the Jukebox, his, his 80s uh, uh, cover experience that he has. And it's a very heavy song. I mean, it's, it's very industrial almost. It's almost like a Rammstein type thing. It's a drone song, you know, dun, 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 and it's like five words in the whole song. Relax, don't do it. But whenever you play it, people go, oh, I know this song. And it's always one of the highlights of the set. Uh, it's a really great idea that we did it. And when you see it live, you'll know the reason why. Man, I can't wait to see it live. But uh, man, I, I've seen footage of, of recent shows and you sound incredible, dude, especially after what Thanks. you know you went through with the surgery and stuff like that, right? Like how well I didn't I didn't need surgery, but yeah, I did have a uh a, a, a bruised uh, a bruised larynx, a bruised vocal cord. So I basically had to relearn how to sing, which made me it gave me so much more endurance and power. And there's still certain notes that I'm not hitting yet because I'm still recovering. It takes a mm. long time, it's such a sensitive area. So like if you break your arm six to eight weeks, you're fine. This is not like that. Uh, but you just learn how to sing around it. And we have also four great singers in our band. So I also realized I don't have to sing every single note because PJ Farley can sing great and Billy Gray sings and Rich Ward sings. So it's almost more of a Def Leppard uh, approach to where, you know, step inside, walk this way, you and me, babe. Hey, hey, like I don't have to do every single moment. So um, we really learned a lot about our our band vocally. And I think even though my voice isn't a thousand percent, it's probably, you know, 900, the band sounds so much better because everybody's really singing 
uh, well and getting more of a chance to sing. And I think it's in the long run, it's going to be beneficial to Fozzie that I bruised my larynx when I did. Are you, uh, was it scary at the time though? Like it must've been. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's scary because you don't really know what the hell's going on. And then you start hearing what well, could be permanent. What does that mean? What am I going through? And, um, you know, and then you realize that it just takes time. And also too, like if you, I don't know if you're a baseball pitcher and you're used to throwing hundred miles an hour, if you fuck up your shoulder, the first time you throw a ball, it's not hundred miles an hour. You got to start slow and work your way back up. And I didn't realize that I basically had to, like I said, relearn how to sing, which I didn't know I'd have to, I figured, well, the, the larynx will get better and then I'll just be able to, you know, hit super high notes again. It's like, eh, it doesn't work that way. You got to glide your way up there and figure it out. So it made me a better singer in the long run for sure. I know what it's like as a vocalist, man. You get a cold or something and you're just like, Ugh. it's not like, yeah. Know. And then this is, this is <laughs> not that right. So yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's it. But uh, man, um, you've been doing a lot of acting as well, which is, it's cool to see you when you pop up, especially in those Kevin Smith movies. Uh, you know, have you got more of that on the way? Maybe a biopic. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, yeah, we have, we have, we have more of them coming up. I mean, I just did terrifier too, which was a huge success. So, I mean, you know, acting's always there. Um, sometimes with my schedule, uh, with Fozzie and with AEW and all the other things I do, I can't make it happen, but, uh, there's always things in the works and uh, we're excited about the most important thing. Cause I got to go. Cause I got another interview. Oh, is next sorry, brother. Yeah, Australia, and we're super excited. Uh, it's our fifth tour of Oz, and like I said, the only time we're going to get to hear Fozzy, 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 oi, 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 and I never take that for granted. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for that. Sorry, I kept rambling. Um, oh, no problem, dude. <laughs> we'll see you. Are you coming to the show next week somewhere? Fucking okay, no, Brisbane. Let's go. All right. We'll see you then. First night. First night yeah. of the tour. Let's go. See you then, All bud. Right. See you, thanks, bro. man. Bye. Enjoy your cup of Bowie. Yeah, Bowie.